Welcome to the Shire Fit Podcast. Oh, well, um, hopefully you enjoyed the brand new podcast opener with the one and only Ollie Smith. Shout out to Ollie Smith. Um, we have got Coach Max and Coach Jake here today with us, so we're super lucky, and we are going to be talking about recovery. He, he, he's not really part of it today. <laughs> Sorry, Ash is in the background, but he's uh, requested to specifically not be on it for once. So, yeah, so what we're going to look at today is some recovery work. And we're going to talk about what happens when you get tired, why you're getting tired, and how you can recover effectively. But so, uh, Jeff, I'm sorry. I, I was speaking to Jeff earlier in the gym, one of our members. I asked him what he would like to see on the podcast, and his quickest response that he gave was sexual deviancy. Mm. So we'll have to wait for another week for that one. Yeah, <laughs> week, right? that's, no, that's one, one of the more. We bring Coach Ash in. One of the more appropriate topics. Well. For us to start off with and welcome Jake into the group, hopefully you can perform slightly better than Dan did. Dan's favourite answer last week was, if you could buy a gift of some what would you buy? His answer was, buy it. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, it's essential. It's an essential element. Um, so, Max, how are you rolling? Right, Jake, are you ready? Uh, to all ever be, I guess. That wasn't the first question, by the way. <laughs> Relax, mate. Well, I thought I did really well. <laughs> right, here we go. Snatch or clean and jerk? Snatch. What would you describe your hair colour as? Ginger. Okay. Honest. Well <laughs> Favourite weightlifter? Oh, oof. Um, apart from myself. Oh, <laughs> honest. Um, okay. Probably Matty Rogers. Nice. Chocolate oh, or cheese? Whoa, wait a minute, Matty Rogers? Why, why do you like Matty Rogers? She lifts really well. Oh yeah, but yeah. <laughs> Check out the Instagram feed, you'll know why. That's like. it. Yeah, like, straight on it. Excellent. <laughs> Get you a girl that can do both, right? <laughs> Here we go. Chocolate or cheese? Chocolate. Biggest passion in life? Oh, wow. Um, coaching, of course. Wow. Weightlifting. Good job. <laughs> uh, Amrap or Imam? Imam. Uh, who's your biggest role model? Um, if I don't say Jack. Oh, oh, oh we did. Did. <laughs> That's good. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> he sat next to me, Matt. <laughs> Have to say that. What was your oh, was your first ever job? <laughs> My first ever job. I was working in retail in Staples. Strong. Awesome. It's a pretty good first job. Stationary work. <laughs> uh, if you had to permanently be too hot or permanently be too cold, what would you choose? Hot or cold? Hot. Really? I may not have thought that through, but I think hot. Yeah. Jack, you kind of thrown off the quick fire. <laughs> uh, most exotic place you've been to? Seychelles. That's pretty good. Uh, and that concludes the quick fire oh, round. Well then, Jake, I'll see you guys tomorrow. Um, so, recovery and sort of, I think probably the best thing for us to start on is actually why people get tired from training. Um, and Max, I'm sure you can sort of roll us into this from your experience of competing and training for high volume and things like that. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> Jack's posed that question to me because he knows that I have been. Uh, severely overtraining in my past perhaps in my quest to be good at the sport so i know what it's like to uh be overtrained and therefore not make any progress 
and you're basically digging a hole that you can't refill whereas what we're trying to achieve with training is we dig a hole that we can then fill in and make it bigger each time so for example um doing too much high uh load strength training you might perhaps damage your cns your central nervous system you overstress that cns and you don't recover and therefore you can't hit the same load again and again or you could do uh, sort of more mechanical fatigue where you're constantly under a load so you get muscle soreness and you can't reach positions really well in movements and workouts and you perhaps overload certain muscle groups like people are feeling this week i've heard biceps are pretty sore from snatching things like that where if we keep on over patterning those things eventually turn to an injury um what is what's your what's your pb for the most consecutive days you've trained uh, not as much as yours because you told me. <laughs> that is something like eighteen days for oh, me. Okay. Yeah. I thought I was gonna hold the record yeah. until Stu arrived. Big Stu Andrews. He beat my PB of twenty-eight days. I think he went for a month straight. Jesus Christ! Crazy, oh, no. crazy, crazy stuff. But I'm sure if we had Stu on, he would yeah. say the same thing, and he'd probably explain about uh, how we, how you notice. Although you're doing lots of training, your performance doesn't improve. And it's weird. You think I'm doing lots, so I've got to be getting better, but it's not always the case. Um, in terms of like understanding why that happens, what is like for us when we think about fatigue? What's fatigue? So fatigue, there's actually got like there are two parts to it. You got the acute fatigue and cumulative. So acute fatigue is one that everyone gets all the time, every session, where you start off feeling fresh, feeling great, and then by the end of the wad, you're absolutely battered and done in. So for example, you might be doing every day. Absolutely every day, because it's CrossFit, that's what we do. And so you come in, you do like heavy back squats, going for as many sets as you can at five reps, and you might be hitting five conse consecutively for three sets, and then the fourth set, you're dropping it down to three, and then the, th the final set, you're on like two reps, because your body just can't keep going at that level. And then cumulative fatigue is measured in terms of like days and weeks, and even months if you keep training at that level. And it's just the acute fatigue that just builds up, builds up, builds up, builds up to the point where um, when you're in the following week, you won't be able to lift anywhere near as what you used to be able to lift last week or be able to perform anywhere close to the workout times <clears throat> that you were hitting the week before. Yeah. Just because your body can't keep up to that level of um, stress. That's true. I think um, for, for me, when I think, and you said a really good, like, about the digging the hole when you train, making sure you dig a hole and you recover. And when you're digging that hole, you're stressing the system. So you said back squats, you say about lots of reps of heavy loading, um, think about cardio and doing lots of volume of training, all those things, whatever you come into the gym or whatever training you're doing, you're digging that hole and that's your stress. Now, if you dig that hole too big, you're gonna really struggle to recover. And when you can't recover, you're not gonna get much from that training session. So your optimal training really is, and one of the reasons as a team, we always work on scaling effectively, trying to make sure you program effectively and work to the right scale for you, is that you get the most from that training session because yeah, you might go heavy, you might try and do extra, but sometimes it's not always the best thing to do because recovery might not be optimal. So we're gonna talk later on, I think, and, and Max, again, is huge expertise in this and sort of effective recovery of nutrition and sleep and things. So with someone, someone's, let's say, for use an example, someone's come in for a training session, they've done, um, they haven't trained before, they've come in, they've done five sets of five squats. What, what are we doing to their system? So we, what kind of fatigue are we giving them? What are they looking to do? What are they going to feel afterwards? Yeah, so that's going to absolutely like 
smashed there. If they've not done something like back squats and that before, they're not, the body's not going to be used to that um, movement pattern. Uh, so they're going to be trying to learn something new while also going quite heavy. Yeah. So that's a lot of stress factors put on the like the central nervous system straight away. Yeah. Um, so that's going to be something they're going to need to recover quite a lot. Of, um, they're going to need quite a lot of time to recover from that. Um, so when the central nervous system fills up, it, obviously I think of it like you've said before, is that cup analogy. Mm. Is the central nervous system is that cup that you, every time you do something like that, you fill it up a little bit. And then when it's maxing out, so someone completely fresh is going to need perhaps a day straight off to take off and not come into the next session. Um, from there, they're just going to have to spend a lot of time thinking about how they're going to recover for it. So yeah. making sure they're sleeping right, eating right, um, and going into things like that. I'd say a new member as well will probably feel a little bit of DOMS, a little bit of delayed onset muscle soreness. Where they wake up in the morning, they feel the actual muscle belly itself is sore. And they perhaps feel that tightness when they're trying to open the range of motion they're used to using. So uh, we experience a lot of DOMS from like eccentric loading that we talked about, those muscle contractions in the programming podcast uh, last week. Was it last week? No, two, two weeks before that. Um, so yeah, if we do eccentric loading, we're going to end up with that muscle soreness, which is again going to restrict us when we go to train hard and heavy again. Yeah, that's a massive one for us. I think we get loads of... Uh, new people come in to come and train and they probably haven't experienced that before uh, and for me I've definitely seen them they, I speak to them the next day and they're like I'm aching so bad and that is either because we've overworked them too much we've stressed their system out too much but they, they can't recover effectively or sometimes they, they've just not done something like this with this kind of intensity before and they're going to feel it afterwards um, and again that's us maybe working out whether we can stress them enough or too much or not enough. So that's that's definitely how I look at it, where we have newer members come in. And then when I think about workouts like that and DOMS and programming, I'm trying to make sure that they get the right output from that workout. And that's where scaling comes into place and making sure you look after those members. You said about the central nervous system. The CNS central nervous system can like sound crazy complicated, um, but your central nervous system is in charge of everything that happens in your body. And it's in charge of like the flight or uh, sorry fight or flight syndrome. So where basically you're either going to be fired up or you're going to completely recover and run away. So where I think about this is if we're going to be doing say for instance heavy deadlifts, when you go to lift that uh, weight, you're going to be using the one side which is the fight system, the sympathetic system. So that's the system that kicks in and goes right body. We're about to lift this heavy weight and it happens in a millisecond and it preps your body. It tells the muscles to get tense. It sends the blood to them. It gets the whole nervous system firing ready to lift that up. You lift that weight and then immediately after that, you've got your parasympathetic system, which then fires up to try and help you recover, to relax you. If you stress out one too much and you don't have the other one work in conjunction with it, with the recovery, that's when you start to see the central nervous system fatigue because you go, go, go too much. I had that when I set my massive PB of 28 days consecutive training and I didn't realise, but I got to a point where I was so tired, I didn't feel it, I felt like I was enjoying it until coming to the gym, but when I came in, I couldn't touch nowhere near my PBs, like nowhere near them, even though I felt okay. Um, and it got to a point where later on in the process of me doing this um, was where I was struggling to sleep and I was really struggling to go through that recovery because my sympathetic system had just been firing, firing, firing. It wasn't balanced out. Um, so when we think about trying to recover from this kind of stuff, and you said you, you touched on it a minute ago, 
what are some of the key points you think about when you have members come into you that say their first time they train and they're going to ask you about recovery? Uh, what are your thought patterns of that? Uh, so, firstly, in the session, we probably want to scale appropriately so that they're hitting the right muscle groups and we're not necessarily massively fatiguing the system too quickly. Uh, so we get the training right to start off with. And then after that, if, are you saying that if a member comes to me and says, how am I best to recover from this? Yeah, so I've yeah. just crushed that session. Now I want to recover, so I'll yeah. come in two days. So I'd say um, in order of priority, we need to get sleep right. We need to get nutrition right. We need to s check that our lifestyle is intact. I'll talk into these more in more detail in a second. And then maybe we think about a bit of active recovery if we're oh, like beautiful. super, super tired. I'm terrible at active recovery. So I, I start an active recovery session and it becomes a full out one <laughs> yeah. 30 seconds later. Don't know what active recovery is. <laughs> so, all right then, so sleep. Talk to me about some sleep. Well, what we, well, something I'm terrible at, but. So I, I want to like sleep. There's a really good book out um, written by Sean Stevenson called uh, 12 Strategies to Sleep Smarter. Uh, I'd recommend that to any of the members who are struggling with sleep, but I'm just going to try and go broad brush and just give the members free takeaways that they can start applying straight away. So we're not going to go into any detail one. here. So number one, quantity of sleep. We're looking for about eight hours. That gives your body two cycles. We roughly sleep in four-hour cycles, and we want to get two cycles in because in the last two hours of each cycle, that's when we get a real bang for our buck in terms of growth hormone release, testosterone release, we get like all the reset physically in our muscles and we start to grow. Yeah, so quantity is important. We wanna prioritize like that eight hours of sleeps between seven and nine, but definitely that's, around that. That's so true. When I, when I was deployed away and we couldn't sleep in big blocks, we used to try and we found out the best way for us to sleep was three or four hours. If we did less than that or more than that, we'd feel super tired throughout the day. So yeah, bang on. Yeah, so, um, Quantity is probably the most important thing. Like we can work on quality later on, but if you're getting in around those eight hour periods, then you're gonna do all right. Second thing is uh, reducing your screen time before you sleep. So sat in a room with loads of big white or blue lights on, watching your laptop, watching your televisions with Looking lamps on and stuff Rogers like that. And Instagram. <laughs> Rogers and Instagram. Uh, it's not good for your body because the light hits our retina in our eyes, tricks our body into thinking that it's daytime and our body releases all of the hormones that we need to wake up and be alert in the morning, things like cortisol, adrenaline, stuff like that. So our body like thinks it's daytime and so isn't prepared for sleep. When we're sleeping, we want nice dark conditions so that our body knows it's time to sleep and we release the right hormones like melatonin and things yeah, like that. Yeah, I can that. imagine that's huge amongst pretty much everyone because we're in the culture now and yeah. we're just on our phones all the time. I'm terrible for it all the time, yeah. Yeah, a nice little quick of, tip oh, for people out part. there, sorry mate, um, <laughs> is if you swipe up on your iPhone and hold down the brightness button, oh. your phone will come up with a night shift option. It takes away all the blue light from your screen and turns it into red light, which is less damaging for that sort what? of oh. What if your what if knowledge bombs? maybe 10 years backwards and don't have an iPhone. <laughs> maybe have like a Samsung. Firstly, go get an iPhone. Anything Android. Um, you deserve poor sleep. <laughs> <laughs> you deserve poor sleep. Sweet, yeah. so you've got quantity of sleep. Um, and you said eight hours is the optimum. 
Is well, the best hour, like... some people sleep in different cycles, but between seven and nine hours. Some people think, will need yeah. more, but some and some people will need less. But if yeah. we go eight hours, then you're roughly in around awesome. the right four and then, um, and then you said about obviously getting rid of phones and light and things before you go to sleep. Yeah, my final one is uh, some sort of like light snack before bed is good for our bodies because thank god this is coach we get those yes i allow you to eat before bed (laughs) uh basically we get a drop in blood sugar as we sleep and some people will wake up at the end of that cycle because of the block drop in blood sugar and then you'll get you know like the midnight snacks or the midnight treats or whatever that people talk about that comes from that sort of thing where we've been asleep for a little period and we've woken up in that time where our blood sugar's dropped so there's some like crazy uh, research to do with like raw honey being awesome, a teaspoon of re- raw honey before bed, but I just reckon that a light snack would, would <laughs> do the hay best. fever as well. <laughs> Local yeah, honey, that's like a bit of a hay yeah. fever. Yeah. There you go. Uh, oh, so, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that, that makes sense. And I, I'm not very good with sleep. I know that's one of my factors. And if I'm working long days and then try and train, it really does affect me. And I'm, I know when I'm going to have a good day or a bad day before I've started training sessions from base on that. So, one thing I'd sorry, one thing I'd add into that as well, which is more of a question as well, is like people that genuinely struggle to find that allotted amount of time to get that eight hours or those seven hours in, what would your advice be for them? Like then going into that's when you need to start looking at other factors like just general relaxing, deloads and um active recovery and then nutrition to build yeah, into so it. Yeah, so that's a good question because we've got members out there that are, do shift work and stuff like mm. that, don't we? Like paramedics yeah, and stuff like that are into it. So um, yeah, so try and make up make up the numbers elsewhere if you have to, like naps and stuff can be quite good, like small naps during the day if you've got time for that and you can't do six hours during the night. Uh, other things that you can do is try and like maximise the sleep quality that you do get in that six hour period. So doing that stuff like making sure you reduce your screen time, having that snack, making sure you're fully relaxed before you go to bed. Um, a big one as well, I've missed it off the list because I just wanted to give free takeaways, but I'll chuck it in there now, is um, having a cool, cool, d- dark room to sleep in. Like, Make sure you open those windows up and have that airflow because mm-hmm. if you're too hot, you won't sleep well as well. So I'd say for those members out there that are struggling to get those eight hours, um, try and work on the quant- quality of those six hours or whatever it is that you're getting. Spot on. Awesome. Nutrition. Probably the next one again is probably in terms of importance mm. um, and something that gets lost and forgotten about and uh, and then also I don't think a lot of people have actually a really good knowledge base on that and we actually get we've got a, a nutrition podcast that we're gonna be recording in a few weeks time coming in but if we just look at a few bases Jake if you sort of talk us through that mate because you've done a lot of nutrition work recently yeah so I try um, in a sort of a broad aspect like you say we're gonna be more focused on nutrition later on and um, I like to look at it as like a pyramid. Um, where calories in is at the bottom of that pyramid, like that is your base. You need to make sure you are eating enough calories to recover. So a good example would be like if you have watched CrossFit Games, like behind the scenes, um, all that stuff. You'll see them just they'll eat just pizzas and just sweets, sugars. That sort this of stuff. sounds fantastic. It's great, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, um, that's just like getting rid of that acute fatigue. Obviously, when they're competing, obviously five days in a row, they need to just literally just get calories in. But we, we are going to say that it's also important to have good calories. Isn't Absolutely, it? that's yeah. coming. Don't, don't worry take about this. That. No, don't like, just don't, have some pizza. You're not CrossFit Games athletes yet. Absolutely, I've been nailing it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, like I said, that's due to the sheer volume of training that they're doing. So that's not to say you should train like Jack and do 28 days in a row and just eat all the pizza you can. 
because um, that's when you need to start looking at the quality of your food um, is the next step and those macronutrients obviously breaking it down to the proteins, fats and carbs and balancing it out to what your body needs to recover efficiently and effectively for your next training session. Obviously that's what we're recovering for. We want to make sure that we're able to come in the next day and still train to our best. And I think we can all say we've had it where when we've had a cheat day, we'll come in the next day and our performance will have noticeably dropped. So you might not feel as good when you're training, you might feel heavier, uh, you might just feel sluggish is probably a good way of putting it. Yeah, mine's is sugars. If I, have to, I always feel so sluggish when I have too much sugar. But yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, and then Nick, then, then uh, tripping over my words, and then it, then it comes into nutrient timing. So that's when you start looking into a lot more detail of when you're eating in the day, uh, spacing it out so that you are effectively eating. So um, not that same old myth where you have to have protein half an hour straight after your workout or you're going to lose gold, all gold of your gains. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. Or then all your gains have lost and you might as well not bothered. Um, no, so it's nothing like that, but you just look at spacing it out throughout the day so that your body absorbs it efficiently, uh, again, to aid in that recovery. Uh, they'll probably be looking at um, supplements would be looking at coming in last. Uh, so you, it, as the name suggests, it supplements your diet. It's not to replace it. Um, that's always a big thing that I see with people trying to do all these like health shakes and stuff and just completely taking over. Um, use it to supplement. and then, Or if you really do struggle for timings, it can be a good way to get a healthier meal in rather than just going to McDonald's or something. Um, like I say, shift workers and that, they don't have a lot of time to necessarily go out and get a healthy meal or prepare or something. And meal prep is quite a tough thing to do. So if you haven't got that shape, it can be a good alternative. Okay, cool. What, uh, what is the best post-training thing to have then? Or do you, what have you been putting into your training or trying out that you found work best? Uh, oranges. Oranges. That's, oranges. I, I did not see that coming. No, well, no. Simple carbs, really yeah. nice yeah. and refreshing, yeah. makes you feel awesome. Vitamin C, there's a load of studies that suggest that vitamin C is like awesome to take straight after training. So I'd probably have like two or three oranges and then like the small ones, like the next training, not massive ones. And then uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe yeah. a protein shake with some whey proteins, whey is like fast acting, so our body absorb it really quickly. Mm. That's what I'd go for. Perfect, yeah, because that's, that's a big thing. You see a lot of people not sure what to have after training, and it's always like the classics of either having some really high calorie drink or whatever you're going to have. So, yeah, bang on. Um, so, we've said, we've talked about the opt how they can help recovery in terms of talk, sleep, nutrition. Maybe the last one you can probably touch on, Max, is active recovery because you use this a lot in your training um, and how to be effective with it. Yeah, so uh, active recovery is eff effective for someone who wants to keep a high training volume but does need to take those like off days or down days. So for example, I'm on a split at the moment where I'll do Monday to Wednesday will be hard training, then I'll do Thursday in active recovery and then Friday and Saturday will be hard-ish training. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And then that's Sunday a complete yeah. rest day. So if you're like yeah. Big Stu Andrews who just wants to train every single day Shut and that's up. what makes him feel good is training every single day and this could be a really effective tool for you. So you could use active recovery as a way to keep your training volume up but reduce your intensity. So active recovery should be something that's like long, slow, easy work and it reduces loading on the body. So we're looking at movements like rowing, running, cycling, skiing. We're walking. looking at yeah, walking, hiking, any of those things. We're looking at um, maybe 
gymnastic space movements, maybe some light squatting, light sit-ups, light uh, hip extension, something like that. But the whole point is that we're reducing the load on the body, so we don't want to be adding on any load by doing like thrusters or anything silly like that. Maybe a few burpees too, because I know you like them as well. <laughs> um, I like to use active recovery stuff like doing fun things outside of the gym, so oh, yeah. like climbing, uh, football, rugby, whatever sports-based things that you do as well, they're awesome active recovery sessions like for your body because they're kind of usually no load and they usually um, involve that long duration, low intensity work. Yeah, there's, there's, there's loads of, like I always think that all the time, there's loads of members that train really, really hard, but sometimes if you actually give yourself the opportunity to use that outside the gym by doing different things like trying climbing or different sports and things, do you think active recovery is a headspace thing for people or is it actually more fit, has more physical benefit than they realise? So like for instance for you, do you use active recovery because you don't like to feel like you're doing nothing and it's good for your headspace or do you think it's also good for you physically? Uh, oh, it's also good for me physically as well um, because it increases blood flow to the muscles, your blood carries all the nutrients and things that we need to um, recover and so by doing both those two things, reducing my mental stress because I'm not worried about not training and also by uh, increasing blood flow to the muscles and moving the muscles through the full range of motion, I'm probably gonna recover better physically as well yeah. as mentally. So we've talked obviously through a few bit of recovery, like sort of tactics that you can use to help out, really important ones, and ones I'm definitely terrible at, I'm gonna try and add them in a little bit more, but Obviously, the, the, the big thing, and I've read loads into recovery, and all the tests, all the journals i read, they always apply it to elite-level athletes. So we never actually look at the day-to-day -day athlete or day-to-day -day member that comes in a gym, trains, that has other stressors. And what kind of other stressors sort of like, can you have? Uh, so there's so many like from normal life you can get. Um, so like daily job with the daily tasks that you've got to complete. If you've done like a 10-hour shift on a working building site, um, shifting loads of stuff over there, you have to take into account that you've done a lot of lifting and then you come into the gym to do more lifting, your body's still going to be quite spent so you yeah. shouldn't expect to come in and smash loads of PVs and that sort of stuff. Um, like we've said about shift workers might have to be put on like a 12 hour shift especially if they're looking at doing overtime and that sort of stuff. Coming into the gym, not having their sleep pattern on right, haven't eaten very well, um, stuff like that. And then things simple as um, like an argument in the family, uh, can place mental stress on um, on the system. Uh, your headspace isn't right coming into the gym. Um, instantly, uh, you're not going to be performing at where you are expecting to. Yeah. And then things can cascade from there. See if you come in and you have feel like you've had a bad session, and then it can build into the next day, and then that can tie into that cumulative uh, fatigue where it just builds up, builds up, builds up psychologically, um, and then you get to the point where um, you even start losing motivation to come to the gym. And it starts getting to that effect, um, and that's when you know you need to sort of maybe take a step back, look at what the factors might be that are affecting it, and then how we can address those and change things up as necessary to help you with that recovery. Yeah, I think I think it's a good point to point out the to the members that uh, lifestyle factors have a key have a massive uh, impact on our training, and like if, for example, you've just had a baby and you're fighting through training every day, like my brother is at the moment, uh, having a couple of days off and recovering, and recognising the fact that your body's got another stressor on it, i.e. lack of sleep and, and emotional stress, is probably a really useful thing to be like, yeah, you know what, I'm probably overtraining a little bit, and I'll just have a couple of days off, and it's not the end of the world. Uh, I think it would be useful now to sort of, 
um, give the members some of the signs and symptoms of being overtrained. And Jack's obviously done 28 days, the absolute hero, without a rest. Yeah, so did, he did, probably knows. Yeah, yeah. So, so <laughs> if you want to go through some of the signs and symptoms now for the members, so yeah. they can perhaps know if they're overtraining, and, yeah. and maybe you so, recognise some of these symptoms. I, I sort of had like maybe four, three or four stages for my like for, uh, fatigue, and um, I'd like to clarify as well. I did this out of trying it out to see if it was possible, and I learned it wasn't. <laughs> it is, but you won't get much from it. Promise. Um, <laughs> but the first thing for me, it was normal DOMS. So where you obviously the day after two days after you start to get like muscle ache where it feels uncomfortable in normal situations like sitting down walking where it wouldn't normally um then it started to become more of a permanent thing where i was getting used to training with doms and still fatiguing the muscles as much as physically possible and it just kept in a circle um after that then i got to a point where i felt like um i felt fine so my body felt fine i was walking the gym and i was like yeah ready to go but i'd go in there and i'd lift and i'd be like why am i not lifting very well today i feel okay and i get annoyed with myself because i'll be like i'm deadlifting, but i'm not going anywhere near my numbers and everything feels really heavy and that's the big indication for me like everything felt really 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 heavy for me and really really difficult um even like normal moves that i was finding fine in gymnastics i suddenly suddenly couldn't do high reps of them after that, I continued to train through that thinking, well, yeah, I'm not lifting the numbers, but volume's okay. The final thing for me was sleep. So I really, really struggled with my sleep patterns. So I got to a point where I felt like um, I just lay in bed and I felt really awake and I couldn't sleep and I struggled to sleep. So I think that ended up being a bit of a cycle for me. Um, I think really for me personally, there were the three main issues I had and then it got to a point where I was like, right, I need to stop. Um, the final sort of stage of fatigue or like constant fatigue that you can start to have is then like your nutritional errors, like bad digestion because your central nervous system just cannot cope with everything. The final big thing that I have with all that stage was an illness. And I probably, I didn't have that during that training process, but I, this is where it's probably more relevant for members. I've had this from a work training process where I would not sleep very well work a lot, put a lot of stress on a normal emotional stress from stress of running the business and things like that, then add training to that cycle. And then all of a sudden I'll find myself getting ill. And it, and I'm sure some of the members will know when I went through stage of that where I was ill quite often. And I knew for a fact that was purely because of over fatigue. And I've got a lot better at managing that now, but still I have those issues. So for me, they were the stages that I had. Um, I think the big thing for us, obviously, the reason we want to do this rec this recovery podcast mainly was education to a lot of normal people that train. So I think the big takeaways, really for me, for you guys to listen to this and sort of walk away and think, yeah, that makes sense. First thing is that when you train, you stress the body. So you're going to stress it in some different way. You've also got stressors that happen outside of the gym, like Jake said, with work, poor nutrition, sleep issues, emotional stress. And then if you stress out that system too much without that recovery time or that optimal recovery time, whether it be good sleep, good nutrition, just relaxation time, you're going to end up being a constant flux of issues where you're not going to be able to train, recover properly, and most importantly for a lot of you, improve. And that's where patience comes to play. You don't need to rush these things. You can stress the system a little bit. You're still going to work hard, understand why you're doing something, and understand that sometimes, like Jake and Max both said, when you walk in that gym, 
you might be stressed out for the whole day, you're not gonna go and PB, and you're not always gonna PB every time you walk through the door. Um, and I think using some of those really cool bits about sleep, uh, applying some little bit of clean nutrition work, and hopefully we're gonna go a little bit more in depth about that, you can take away a lot from sort of understanding how you can optimize your recovery so you can walk back in the gym, enjoy training, and hopefully make the most out of it as well. Did you have any final little points, Max? Even our guest, 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 Ash <laughs> and Jake. Great podcast. Cheers, <laughs> <laughs> bro. No, cheers, bro. Yeah, no, was, uh, uh, that was wicked. Thanks for coming on as well, Jake and Max. Yeah, thanking you. Nice.